Welcome to the At A Total Loss podcast, where lost moms candidly talk about stillbirth, baby loss, grief, survival, and all things in between. I'm Catherine. My first child, Brody, died at full term and was stillborn in January of 2022. I literally thought the sadness was going to kill me. And while trying to survive, I reached out to lost moms to connect with others who knew how I felt. It was these conversations that saved me, and to this day, they still do. We discuss our babies, life with grief. We even laugh, a lot actually. It is my hope that hearing our stories will help you realize that you are not alone in any of this, and maybe even serve as a guide to finding light in the dark. So get comfortable and grab some tissues as we discuss this crazy life after baby death that has left us all at a total loss. Taking pictures. Let's rock and roll. What are you taking pictures of? You. Aw. You do that. They're not always the most flattering, but at least you're documenting stuff. Would you prefer I uh, don't get candids and just have you pose for me? I'm not great at posing. I overthink it. And then it looks, it's like Chandler in that episode of when they're trying to do the engagement photos. I overthink it. I look weird, which is strange because I've like modeled before. (laughs) One of my 2023 New Year's goals is to take more staged pictures when I'm in a group setting. I think that's a good one. It's always worth it. I think what I would like to do is take those staged photos and also video us while we're staged taking the photo. I love those. (laughs) I know I'm super weird. I I think it's like me trying to do reels now. It's like the video is so much more powerful (laughs) and you can kind of picture what's in the moment. I'm bad at it. You're you're much better at it. You, I don't even. I'm terrified of your camera roll. Like I don't know what you've gotten of me. <laughs> Nothing bad. <laughs> oh, according to you. Oh wow, we're back. We last time we did this was what August? You said August twenty sixth, to be exact. And we are today's January thirteenth. This will air the day after Brody's first birthday. So a lot has gone down in 12 months, which is so crazy because I don't know for you, it the vividness of the memories of what played out feel like last week. I can I can still smell like the hospital. Like I still remember a lot of feelings and things. Is it like that for you? Yeah, if I if I go there and think about it, I think I can get there pretty quickly. Brings back all the emotions, to your point, the sights, the sounds, smells. But I haven't thought too much, quite frankly, about that. I, I think as we get to his one-year mark of his birth, honestly, when I think of him, I've been thinking more just about the pregnancy, um, you know, trying to remember what he liked, mm-hmm. what are things that remind you of him. You know, I think in our discussion last week, we were talking about maybe taking a trip mm-hmm. next week. And, you know, we were trying to think of, do we need to go somewhere that we find peace and comfort ourselves or go somewhere that reminds us of him? And that's where, like, I've been thinking, you know, what did he like? to eat or what did you like to eat that he seemed to enjoy what were things you know that we did during your pregnancy like that's where my memory has been going as I look back on his existence versus actually like his birthday uh in the hospital yeah and I know we've been toying with a couple places like where he was conceived we'll go back there or things that were places we went when we were pregnant but honestly I go back to going to the place that we first went when we first started dating where we both knew that this was each other was the one pretty much, so to speak, because Brody never would have happened without that trip. And that's where I kind of go because happy parents, happy baby, you know, that sort of thing. It's there's a lot of pressure, I think, that parents put on themselves for the first birthday, because if it's a living baby, there's a massive amount of balloons and cake and People coming in excitement and bounce houses even like and the kid doesn't know what's going on. And I've been to these parties and they have no idea. It's even where their nose is. So it's typically for the parents this first birthday. And this is 
where we're at. He's not here. So his first birthday is for us. As While you were trying to remember what he was like during the pregnancy, which is wonderful because those are really the only memories we have of him alive, I'm kind of like, what has he done to my life in the last year since he was born? Because kids change you no matter what. They live or die, they change you as a person. And what does that change look like? What kind of light has he brought into my life with his life? And his death, you know, it's tough because none of this is lucky, but we found out Brody died the day before he was born. So the 17th is the day he died to us. And then the 18th is the day he was born. And separating the two is helpful. But you try to you try hard to say, we're not celebrating his birthday. We're not celebrating his death. We're not celebrating life that he's gone. That's ridiculous. We're celebrating that he did live and we are who we are because of him. And do you like the word celebrate? Is that like not the right word? I don't have an alternative. <laughs> I think celebrate is is great, and that's what I want to do. I, I think this is, you know, moving forward. I think it's you know. I think that's my your filler word. My filler word. Oh, I'm I think I, so I stumbled upon this. it myself. But there you go. You know, I I, I think <laughs> uh, as we move forward, his birthday the 18th is going to be the singular day where he's remembered and honored the most moving forward i think in the you know year in between there's been milestones where his existence has been acknowledged and he's been a big part of i don't know if that will always be the same moving forward but at least in my mind january 18th will always be his birthday, mm-hmm. his day, mm-hmm. his celebration. And, you know, I've toyed with it a lot, but I'm excited for his birthday because, you know, that's going to be the day where it's all attention on Brody. Mm. I think that's a good point. I think in the first year, we dedicated a lot of conversations to him. We dedicated a lot of things to him. I mean, this podcast started, and his six-month birthday is when I launched it. And then I started all my content, so I'm consistently talking about him. And then we did our event in October, which was his kind of like everyone getting to meet him. It was the launch of our charity organization. It was all that. So there's a lot of conversations within the first year about them. But I think moving forward, as we get further from the birthday, further from the death, and then even living children are involved, I think it could get really challenging to have the conversation every day about him, just as you would if he was living. I mean, if you have a living kid, your attention is going to change and go on to the new, the, the new kids, you know, the, the, the other living kids. Um, so I think that's smart to say, no matter what, January 18th will always be in our books as a big day for him. This is his day. And so as this moves forward, you know, we're take, we're doing it pretty little this year because this is what's important to us. We're just going to go on a little trip and be together. Who knows what that looks like in the future? You know, we may decide we're going to make it a special event. We may decide we're going to have people over to the house. Like, we don't know. But I think we can agree that that day will always live on as his day. And I'm glad to hear you say that because I think a lot of parents and a lot of people tend to want to not acknowledge it because it's too hard, you know? Yeah, the brutal reality of it is after we get through the first, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say the significant will be less, but the external significance will be less. Mm-hmm. I mean, it will be on us to continue his legacy and make sure he's still a part of Christmases and Thanksgivings and other gatherings moving forward. But especially with, you know, more living kids in the future, um, getting further away from uh, his birth, you know, I still look at his birthday as being probably the day that requires the least amount of effort, I think, on our part to, you know, um, what do you call it? Um, when you use a megaphone. Um, announce? Announce. Okay. No, no, no. Scream, yell, cheerlead. Project. Project. Project, maybe. Okay. Project his existence. Um 
you know, all, all the other holidays, like I said, unfortunately, you know, it's still going to be on us, but I'm not expecting moving forward the same level of check-ins, the same level of how you're doing. Mm. His birthday, though, I think starting, you know, this year and, and every year moving forward, if we set the tone as always, that's a celebration of his day. Like, mm-hmm. I think it'll take care of itself in, in a way of it's not necessarily always on us to acknowledge the existence. I think people will, on their own, always kind of grasp that it's Brody's birthday. Mm-hmm. I like that. I think that's good. I think I'm with you. I'm kind of excited for his first birthday, and I'll tell you why, because I'll tell you why. This is me talking on my own show. Of course I'm going to freaking tell you. Because um, <clears throat> that means there's no more firsts. Firsts have been terrifying for me this year. And I think that now we're going to go into the seconds, which I've heard are different than the first, but at least I know I don't think it could be much worse than the firsts. And I'm happy about that because there were some firsts this year that I did not realize were going to be that horrible. That just just were takes your breath away. Terrible. What was your worst first this year? Do you remember? It's a good question. Thanks. Do you have an answer? If you want to go, I'll, I'll think about it while you're giving your answer. I feel like you've got it teed up already. No, I actually... I will say Mother's Day wasn't that horrific. I mean, I had a minute, but I got over it, I think. I think that was the day that I kind of expected people to message, and their messages were just not great. But I will say I didn't expect Christmas to be as bad as it was. I thought I was prepared for Christmas. I thought I was good. But Christmas really drained me and really was horrible. And I got to be honest, today is pretty rough. And I posted about it. If you if you follow me on Instagram, you saw this. Today is one year from the last checkup I had at the doctor's where I believe that he was slowing down and I believe he was dying and I didn't know it. And this is the day that this day is the day that I want to go back in time. So this day I did not expect. I woke up this morning. I was like, what the shit? Why am I so sad? This was a hard day today. And I didn't expect this first. So that was a tough one. Were you conscious of this day? Like, have you been prepping uh-uh. leading into this? Or when did it hit you that today was that 36th last week night. mark? Last night. Um, because a girl, everyone has their triggers. My triggers are save stories. When someone tells me about somebody vocalizing that their baby had slowed down and somebody was like, get to the doctor immediately. And they do. And then they go in immediately and get the baby and the baby saved. Those stories crush me. Yay, baby. I'm so happy they're alive. But where the hell was somebody for me? And I hate that. That Thursday, that that 36 week appointment is should have been my save story. They should have said something's not right right here. We need to do a, a better test. Like, we need to figure out what's going on. They were so casual. It bothers me. I did not see this day being bad. I was strictly focused on the day that they told me he died and the day that we delivered. Because everyone's like, the first birthday, the first birthday. It's so horrible. No. The day that you want to go back in time, that you remember every single little detail that you knew, you know that if you had done something even a little bit different, this would we would not be sitting here right now. That is the hardest day so far for me. I did not see this coming until last night. That's why you walked in and I had mascara all over my freaking face. You're like, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. I just realized that, holy shit, this hurts. This is rough. I know you, I don't expect you. Thanks for telling me. I, what, what would you have done? You would have been like, it's okay. I can't keep scream crying at you all the time. Like, you just... It's it's enough, but yeah. So you gave yourself less than twenty four hours, I guess, to prepare for your worst first. Mm. I think the holidays weren't particularly bad for me personally because I th- think I gave myself a lot of time to prepare. Like I knew they were going to be bad. Mm. I you know expected them to be bad, or they were rough on you, and that's a challenge in itself. That was more of my time, focus, and and energy. I think for me, my worst first would probably be a moment that I would have least expected it, expected it to hit me. So I can't think of a particular event or moment. I've got one that comes to mind, but I can think of the feeling 
where it hit me. And I think it was the first time we ever went out in a big group setting where there was a lot of families and kids around. Was this in Gainesville? No, I think okay. it was up at the lake. Oh, um, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what the holiday was, but I looked around and it was very apparent. Like I was the only one there that didn't have a child. Mm. Um, and that hit pretty hard. Um, again, because I think I hadn't prepared myself for that. Right. Moment. I didn't expect it to hurt me like like it did. Thanks for telling me. So looking back on the first that that you know again don't have a particular instance but I can remember the feeling that I had. Yeah, that's a big one. That hit me super hard in Gainesville too. Like we were looking at all my college friends having three kids running around and we're standing there with nothing in our hands in the family photo, you know, it's it comes out of nowhere. I truly believe that sometimes the ones you prepare for the most maybe it's because you prepared, I don't know. But I know that there's always something that's popping up the first time, like like you're saying. You know, it's it's like the first time I remember walking in my sister's house again and the kids running up to hug Aunt Catherine. And it was like, okay, Brody's not ever going to do that. That was like, that hit me super hard, you know. And then just watching my niece and nephew play and realizing that our next baby won't get to play with their big brother. Those things are like really coming out of nowhere. And that's why I want people to understand if you're not a lost person, this doesn't end. Like this never stops just because we're laughing or we're moving or we're going out or we're doing things. Moving. We're not moving houses. Like if we're getting out of the house and doing things doesn't mean we're okay. There's still snipers out there that will get us like that we don't see coming. And that's why sometimes if I don't answer the phone, I got sniped by a, a wave of grief that I did not see coming from an unknown source. And I think, do you think that after this first year, do you think there'll just be different ones? Do you anticipate just different types of sniper events? Or do you, and I'm using the word sniper because I'm just saying, like something that comes out of nowhere and kind of takes you down because like it's so painful. Where do you do you think they're what are the, what is it what is the second year going to look like do you think yeah i think i think it'll be different i don't think it'll hit as hard it will still hit but it won't hit as hard i think there'll be new triggers that that come up and um new challenges but i don't think anything will compare to year 1 um i also think you know god willing you know, we'll have enough other things keeping us more busy and, and preoccupied where I think the first year has been filled with a lot of, you know, what ifs. You know, you already had plans for how the year was going to be, um, you know, in January 2022. Didn't necessarily have, you know, existing plans in January 22 for any of 2023. Um, so last year was somewhat of a wash in the sense that, mm. you know, we were three weeks into the year and our whole year whole plan for the year was over yeah. uh, at that point. So so how do you feel about that, though? You and I had sat down and been like, these are our finances for the year. This is our budget. This is what we're going to do. These are our plans. This is that. This is that. How do you feel about having that conversation, like literally the exact same time we had it last year for this year? Does it change your goal setting? Well, this time last year, you were eight months pregnant, so much further along to the point where all plans were kid-focused. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily the case going into the new year here. So when I was doing my goal setting, I actually was pretty intentional about not making them about living kids. Um, hmm. I don't know if that was subconsciously me just knowing anything could, could happen and you can't really, you know, bank oh, no matter how far along you are on uh, a positive outcome. Um, but I, I didn't leave anything on the kid front in my goal setting for 2023. Okay. I think. But that doesn't mean you're not hopeful and positive about a living child this year. Yeah, definitely very optimistic. 
I think this is just the nature of the beast. I mean, Birdie's death came out of literally nowhere. Perfect pregnancy, perfect pregnancy, perfect pregnancy, wham. It makes us realize anything's possible. Anything is possible. And it's the way you recover, I guess, is where I, my thought is. My my thought is I need to be able to handle whatever comes our way this year, whatever that may be. I, I, I think it's safe to say 2022 was pretty rough of a year. Pretty rough. I mean, even my business got hit with not only my griefy ass, but with just a rough market for, for fitness. And my hopes are high for this year. I can't help it. I don't how, know. how do you reflect on 2022? Have you taken time to look at the year in a whole and assess it in any way? The only way I can assess the year as a whole is looking at who I am now because of it. That's the only thing I can do. It was rough. It it challenged me in every single aspect of my belief system, my work ethic, my brain, my emotions, everything. It challenged everything that I've worked for my entire life. And everything down from relationships, how to handle them, communication, being open and honest about how I feel. I've never really done that. Letting people in, strangers even, like telling how I feel and lowering expectations, but still having some, having hope, but also kind of hopeless. Completely, I know the definition of complete and utter shattered. That's I, I know what that feels like and how to pick yourself back up. What's weird is, I don't know if I'm going to word this correctly, but in so many ways, I'm thankful for 2022. Because now there's not one year in my future that will challenge me, in my opinion, as much as this one. And I can handle it, whatever it is. I know that's pretty confident because anything can happen. I know that. And there's still horrific things that can happen. I can understand that. But considering the magnitude of what happened to us this past year and even the the ripple effect, the secondary losses, the different forms of grief, the things that I lost that weren't just Brody, you know, pieces of myself, my pieces of my business, piece, pieces of my motivation and who I was, you know, picking up those pieces and trying to figure out what that looks like for 2023, I actually feel like the strongest version of myself that's ever existed. I don't know. But you're catching me at a good time, I guess. No, I mean, I'm super proud of you and impressed if that's the right way or word. Thanks. Way to, way to word it. I mean, I... I can't imagine what you have going on between the ears. Like, I know I've had my struggles, but yours are, you know, 100, 100x that. So, you know, the fact that you made it to the one-year mark, I'm I'm super proud of you. Thanks. I well, mean, it's just the beginning of the story, in my opinion. So you posted something a couple weeks ago or maybe a couple days ago about um, looking back on the year and, and maybe how you'll feel as you hit the one-year mark, something along those lines. And one of the slides said you won't want to let 2022 go or won't want to let the year that your baby died go. I read that over a lot, and it hit me harder than I ever would have expected, that there was a feeling as we counted down the end of the year where even though it was the worst year of our lives, there was a part of me that didn't want to leave the year. Mm -hmm. Can you relate to that or how do you feel about that? That's one of those things that I did not know was a thing until a lot of the people that I follow on Instagram and a lot of the women that I speak to or lost parents that I speak to had mentioned that leaving the year where your baby was alive was really hard for them. I think... For me, I kind of resonated with the fact that, holy shit, it was a year ago. Like, it, I used to be able to say, this past January, I used to be able to say six months ago, eight months ago, ten months ago. Now I have to say last January. I have to now say last year. That, to me, puts time in such a perspective that is just kind of freaking me out a little bit. Did did I feel like I didn't want to leave 2022 because Brody was alive in that year? I don't think that's that part didn't really hit me. I think it was more the concept of time. That 
I was no longer so close out of it. I now feel like I have to explain myself with the amount of grief that I have now that it's been a year. Like I post and I'm like, people who aren't in this world are going to be like, why the hell isn't she over this yet? It's been a friggin' year. I even check myself. Like I went into a spiral the other day because I wanted to light my OB, my o, my XOB's office on fire because I started thinking about the doctors and how they treated me. And I was like, oh my God, it's been a year, Catherine. Why are you still so mad about this? They've forgotten about you. Get over it. But it took me not long to realize that just because it's been a year doesn't mean it's over. It Did just you think you would make it year. to the one-year mark? Well, I had no choice but to make it. What did you think I was going to do? Did you think I was going to be what? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think I said, like, you were definitely closer to that, though, than moving forward. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know how to explain it. It wasn't like I wanted to end my own life, but it was like I didn't want to keep going in it. It, it was a very strange feeling of not wanting to continue on, wondering why I didn't just wake up one day or not wake up one day because of a broken heart. Like, it, that, it, it's a horrible feeling. I haven't felt like that recently. I will say that did kind of stop probably about six months out. But there were days that I didn't want to be here. And I think if you are a lost mother, understanding what I mean by that. And that is a pretty horrible thing to feel. And that is the part that people don't get. It is so painful. It is so painful. It's not just like, oh, I'm sad today. It's so excruciating. You want to unzip your body and step out of it and trade. with Like you don't want to be in it, but there's no escaping it. It's like you just don't know what to do with yourself. It's terrible. And you guys know that. I think, though, that leaving 2022 behind, I don't know. I think, like, again, like I said, the concept of time is really freaking me out. It's moving. And how is it moving? It feels like this is still a thing. So did the year go faster or slower than you expected? Or how do you feel like it went fast or slow? I feel like it was a million years long. But for some reason, I still very vividly remember things, which is that's the wild part. It just feels like yesterday we drove to the hospital and I just how has it been an entire year? I'm kind of like. We've done a lot in a year, but is that because we just needed to keep moving? I mean, we went to Egypt and Greece. We planned a giant memorial event. We went to Vegas for your 30th birthday. We hosted Christmas Eve, which was a big feat. That's a lot. We just did a lot of stuff. And I think, I mean, we did, we did a bunch of football games, a lot of lake days. Like, we just were constantly moving. Anything you would have done different? About the year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have typed out my journal every day. That sounds weird, but I tried to write it, you guys. I hate writing. And now they're just bullet points. And now I'm looking at it like, oh, my God, I should have typed it all out. I should have typed out every single day of what I was thinking and feeling. I wish I did that. That's my only regret. But it's okay. It's pretty good if that's your only regret. <laughs> I don't really know what to say. I mean, typically... I probably would have been like, I would have worked harder at work. No, I did the best I could. I really did. I didn't want to talk to anybody half the time, but I did it anyway. You know? Do you have any regrets? Try to not live life with regrets. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh good question. Do I have any regrets on anything that we did throughout the year? I wish I probably wrote a little bit more. Did a little journaling, but definitely not to the same magnitude that you did. Well, let me ask you this. You didn't say much throughout the course of the year. I was always concerned that you were never grieving or you were never really fully present. Were you? Was I present or was I grie grieving? Uh, both. Definitely present. Definitely had my moments of, of grief. My grief was a lot different than yours, obviously. And, you know, I, I said this many times before. I, I think I always had to just be very forward thinking. Um, so I was busy and distracted of making sure, you know, money was still coming in, making sure that there was always things to, to be doing. And 
train kept going, if if, if you will, because I knew you were spending a lot of time, you know, trying to figure out what happened or making sure, um, you know, as, as you, you said, you could continue moving forward yourself. Well, like the, the time you just mentioned that you felt really hit by the fact you didn't have a living child there and among all these fathers, you never vocalized that to me. Would you have liked me to have? Mm-hmm. I think I think the big difference between you and me, and I don't know if it's a, a man versus woman type thing, like it hit me, but it was, you know, away for five minutes and I, I moved on. You know, oh, I'm it, jealous. It, I would have spied it, it wasn't some, It wasn't something that tanked my day, right. if you will. Like it was a feeling for a moment. I acknowledged it, you know, wiped the tear away and, you know, Grabbed another beer and went went back out there. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't something that, candidly, I thought of until again until you asked me about it. You know, it was something that was a five minute moment, and I moved on. Yeah, I think that's the biggest difference, right? Like between all of us as between partners, because I have a lot of moms messaging me saying, you know, my husband's not really showing any emotion. He's not really saying anything. He's not really grieving. I'm concerned. He doesn't grieve like I do. And it's it's not that you're not. You just are different in how you do it. We carried. We are we were connected since conception. We knew that baby. We had to say hello and goodbye at the exact same time. You met the baby when we did at the end there, but we'd already known them for eight, nine months. So it's not that you're not. You're just it just looks different. And I think the best thing is, and we've definitely talked about this on our other episode, is that not to put pressure on or judge each other for the way that we're dealing with it. Has there been anything since we spoke last about this, like August-ish, that you're like, whoa, cat, it's getting to be too much. You need to pump the brakes here. As far as my methods of coping, my focus. No, I don't think so. And... I don't know if I'd ever tell you if if that was the case, candidly. I mean, <laughs> I I understand, like I you know, said a couple minutes ago, you're in a completely different, you know, ball game, if you will, than, than I am. You know, you've gone through way more, so I'm in no position to say much, if anything. I'm here to support, help distract, help you move forward. Be the shoulder to cry on if if that's what you're looking for. You know my my feelings, quite frankly, are secondary. Um, that's always been my my mindset, and and again, that's maybe why I wouldn't bring these grief moments to you. Mm. Um, but maybe I should. You know, candidly, you know, the few that I have, uh, I think you've gone into kind of coach mode, and it seemed to have helped you. So <laughs> maybe that's a, a biff on on my part that that it actually doesn't put you in a good mood but puts you in a more clear headspace if if you're focusing on me versus me focusing on you but you also told me you never want to see a grown man cry it it, hurt, it hurts you so i've, I've consciously <laughs> tried to reduce the tears Wait, around you who was i referencing when i said that there was like a dude crying on some show and i was like this is killing me what was that was it the football players and i was like i can't see grown men cry it's so sad yeah, I think I think it was when uh, Demar Hamlin got hurt, and a lot of the football players are crying. It wasn't the first time, but it was. Uh, yeah, I, I can't handle grown men. Listen, crying. it does. It doesn't mean you. Look, you. Thanksgiving, I caught you getting teary, and you were wiping your face, and you refused to let me acknowledge that you were upset, and that hurt worse than you being like, "Yeah, this is really effing hard." I just, that's all you have to say is like, this is really hard. And I would have been like, yeah, it is. High five. Let's go chug something. Like, it's like, I need you to admit it's hard. Otherwise, I feel like I'm by myself in this game. It's good to know. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll key you in. Um, but I, but I will say, I think it's important for you to know if, if, if not obviously clear. It's a. It's usually just a moment. It's not something that's going to affect me for the rest of the event or the day or the the week potentially. So okay, uh, acknowledge it and and we'll do that in, in the moment and, and less otherwise. But uh, it's not typically a situation where you 
Yeah, you're going to have to hold my hand the rest of the day. Well, I pulled a Michael card, and last night I was like, everything's fine. Someone just said something to me, and I'm spiraling. I'll be all right. And didn't go into any detail, and it trickled into this morning, and I was really upset. And you probably still didn't even know until I posted why I was upset. But would, what would you have wanted me to do differently? I want to take a quick break to tell you about something I love, wine. I like to enjoy a glass or two here or there, but what I don't like is junk in my wine. So I drink Scout and Cellar clean crafted wine. These grapes are sourced from all over the world and have no toxic pesticides, no artificial processing aids, and no added sugar. They're also low in sulfites and absolutely delicious. Have them delivered right to your home and see for yourself. Go to www.scoutandcellar.com slash Catherine Lazar to order your clean crafted wine now. I hope you enjoy. And of course, please, please drink responsibly. Back to the show. Just tell me so I'm not guessing what's going on. <laughs> were you guessing? Yeah. I, I mean, you didn't give much specific detail about why you were crying. So then I'm, just, you know, I, oh, no. Like, did you get news about, you know, you know I don't know, anything. Okay. So your brain went outside of Brody to, like, anything. If, if you don't tell me the specifics, usually my brain goes to worst scenario imaginable. Really? I didn't know this about you. Yeah. You know what I just thought about, though? Anytime I actually cry significantly, it really has nothing else to do other than Brody. (laughs) There's nothing else that makes me cry. I don't... But you're always better after you cry, so don't hold it in. You're always, always much clearer headspace after you let let it rip. You know what Jenny Reynolds told me? Jenny Reynolds is my fantastic grief therapist um she told me that she she recommends doing convenient catharsis i think that's what she said maybe using that word wrong but it was basically planning your grief spiral (laughs) she doesn't call it that i do before the main event so she's like if you know on birdie's birthday you're going to be inconsolable plan your release before it so look at the pictures watch the video Listen to the song, read the notes, do whatever you need to do at your convenience, then you should be okay for the day of. And I thought that was super interesting. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it seems to to make sense to me. Just uh, if that is what you're gonna do, let let me know so I know <laughs> that's that's why. <laughs> I mean, how do you feel like I handle you when you're in those grief spirals? How do you feel like I handled? you during the holidays or how do you think you should advise me next week uh for brody's birthday this is what's so funny you always are like oh my god are you okay and i'm like what do you think like i always think that you should assume that it has to do with brody and brody's death like that's what i'm always i constantly i'm like what can i do to help and i feel like we're at the point where when i say that it like (laughs) makes it worse (laughs) what did you do yeah to your point it's like I, i think you have an expectation or assumption that if I don't know the answer, asking you to give the answer is worse. Well, no, that's the, that's that's my point. Somebody the other day was like, hey, they text me. They're like, how was your Christmas? And I was like, it was pretty rough. And they were like, oh, no, why? Are you OK? And I'm like, what? So me, it's thinking that. No, I'm not. Why? Why? Why would it not be a bad Christmas? Like, why would I not be crying on this day? Everything is related to Brody, and I'm sad and I'm griefy. But I, I realize now that people think that other elements are going on outside of this. When my whole world, pretty much right now, is Brody's death and and Brody's life and and what happened and my grief and getting through the first year. So when you're like, oh no, what happened? I'm like. Duh, Brody died. Like, what? Why did you think it's anything other than that? And that's, I don't know. There's no one wrong in this situation, but I now realize that I have to. When you ask me that, I'm like, what do you think? Like, <laughs> like Brody. Like that, I have to still explain to people that I'm still suffering some sadness and some things that are going on. Well, you say external factors. You know, I think that's where it's situation specific. But yeah, you can say. It's all Brody, but there's specifics to did someone 
say something specifically about Brody? Did mm. someone not say something about Brody? I see, yeah. Was it somebody else's story that reminded you of Brody? Or like, you know, again, like, you know, we're trying to have, you know, an, another kid and, you know, last couple months, like, if I come in and, and you're crying, like, again, I, I don't know if it's because mm. you are pregnant, you you aren't pregnant, you, it is Brody, you ate something that's making you upset. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I, Point taken. I freaking get it. I'm a lot right now. I get it. I totally get it. You're right. There's secondary things outside of Brody. So help me help you. Oh, goodness. All right, Jerry. I will start to be more specific about my tears, the source of my tears. I will be very specific about it. If you tell me when you're feeling moments of a little bit of a grief wave, you don't get waves. You get like a, what do you get? Like a splash. There you go. There you go. Of grief. As long as you tell me that. Deal. Thank you. You're not a robot, and sometimes it seems like it. I'm sorry. No, you're not. (laughs) This is just how we are. I mean, when I first met you, you really didn't put a lot of emotion out there. You really, I mean, actually, you probably were way deeper when I first met you than you are now. I know you're still deep cat. You just don't vocalize it anymore. Do you think you've changed in this year of, like, making sure that you don't vocalize too much on my behalf? Um, (laughs) Well, I've definitely been burned, I think, enough times over the last year where I I do think – I do think I've realized I I shouldn't speak on your behalf, that I need to either clear it with you or let you be the one. Do you mean when you text certain people that I don't think you should be texting, like, not telling me? Not in, like, a cheating way, but, like, people that relationships-wise. Uh, no, just in general, I think if someone asked me how you're doing, I think I tend to be pretty bland and generic in my response. Oh, I, 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 think, I know what you're talking about. I, I think if someone ever asked me, like, how you're doing, and I'm like, she's a mess, she hasn't, like, left the bathroom floor crying for an hour, <laughs> it's like, I get, I'm get, i going to get in trouble for, like, saying that, you I know. would prefer you tell that other than saying everything's fine. I literally heard you the other day say, someone said, oh, um, how old is your son? And you're like, oh, no, he went to heaven. And I was like, are you kidding me? You just said that. I wanted you to be more like, oh, unfortunately, he passed away and was stillborn. Like, the he went to heaven. I was like, what are you doing? Like, it, tell what how it is. Like... I think I know what you're talking about, that if someone was like, how's Kat? And you're like, she's okay. She's good. She's doing great. I would be like, no, why don't you tell him I'm struggling? <laughs> yeah, or if you're some, not my I, PR manager. If it's someone like, you talk to, I just say, you know, ask her. I, you know, I, I, There's no right, I, right answer. It's um, rock, I, hard place, be middle. No, I don't think. Okay, we're going to get into this for a second then. Because this is, I think, what has been a big issue for me at least, I think in an event, in the event that you don't want to be wrong or a rock in a hard place, whatever you said, and not want to piss me off or whatever it is, I feel like you you do a disservice to the actual situation that we're in. And it, I feel as though sometimes I'm having to clean up the relationships around me. I'm having to explain myself solo. I'm having to do a lot of it by myself instead of you saying, hey, so-and-so, you're out of line. That really upset Cat. You can't do that. Or just going to bat for me in certain situations, I think, is kind of what I was hoping would happen. Like, if someone asked you about me, you could say, hey, why don't you know the answer to that? Reach out to her. Find out. She's not great. She has good days and bad days. What do you think is going to how she's going to be? You know, just thank you so much for asking me, but feel free to reach out to her as well. You know, like things like that, if you think that's the case. But you know me well enough, I think, to know what I would prefer from people. And if you are seeing someone misbehaving, take it upon yourself to say you're making this matter worse. Do you know what I mean? But is that something that you just not in your character not what you want to happen or do you just not feel as if it's a big enough situation to even address with people my initial reaction is it's 
it's a case-by-case basis. I recognize where you're coming from. I understand what you want me to do. <laughs> I I just think it just depends on who I'm talking to. Okay. This is this is fun. Let's uh let's let's do some more scenarios. Some more scenarios? Yeah, about how how I've handled things or how I should have handled no, things. No, no, I'm not picking on you and you're No, not, I know. I'm try- I'm learning. Wrong. I'm I'm over here taking notes, you know. I, I Oh, it I'm, took me getting you on a microphone I'm, for you to take I'm, notes. I am okay. learning, you know. Cool. Like I said, uh, help me help you, you know, give me advice, uh especially, you know. I just What's 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 kind of crazy now is that I've opened up my life to people on social media and now I'm getting tons of stories and questions. I realize that I, even I am much less alone than I thought. And I think a lot of the women out there feel like they are alone on an island and no one has their back, including their partners. Of course, their partners have their back, but nobody is going on the defense for them or going to bat for them or even or even going on the front line for them when they can't do it themselves. And I don't know what that is. I mean, there are obviously some partners out there that have stepped up and said, hey, sister-in-law, that's bullshit. You can't talk to her like that. You can't say that to her. This is really upsetting. I think that sometimes needs to happen because we are looked at, or at least we feel like people are like, she's being overly dramatic. She needs to get over it. She needs to find a purpose. Someone told me to get a dog. Like, that's going to make me get purpose and get over my, my baby dead. Like, Get the hell out of my face. People think we should be moving on away faster than we are. Now, I don't have any living children yet. I'm on. I'm working on that. And I know things are going to change when we do have one. But right now, my purpose is Brody's mom. And what does that look like? He's dead. So unless you have a dead one, don't tell me how I'm supposed to mother my dead child. Meanwhile, though, I'm from the outsiders. They don't get it. They don't understand it. And so we're screaming at the top of our lungs, our babies mattered. They're still they still exist to us. We're still trying to move forward. So it gets frustrating when no one else is in our corner. That's, I think, where this is coming from. And the only person I can really look at is you, Brody's dad. I have some friends that will kind of go to bat for me, but no one's really going to stick their neck out. But when people have done things to hurt me to the point that I'm hysterically crying over other people's behaviors, and it's not a lot. It's only a handful, maybe, of times. Where I thought maybe it was going to be a situation of, hey, heads up, you guys need to know that this is what happened. I don't know. I mean, because it feels like every single time I go to do it, everyone's just like in one ear and out the other. Oh, Catherine's still mad that her baby's dead. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a catch-22 because I don't want you like going out there and crushing relationships you know, and doing detrimental things. But I think I'm telling you where my feelings are and where I think other moms' feelings are. And then you do what you want with that info. That's basically it, you know? So is the takeaway to be 100% transparent of projecting those feelings? Transparent to who? Just whoever is upsetting you. Always. I, I think that's the only way I know how to live now. I have to be, I don't know any other way. If I'm lying to somebody, what is that going to do? If I tell the truth, I'd, most, I'd rather the response be because of the truth than because I'm lying. If that makes sense. What is, if someone asked you today, how's Catherine? What would you say if you weren't getting in trouble, if you didn't, if you just, what is your opinion on how I'm doing? So, not honest opinion. The canned, generic response that I would give is there's good days and bad days, but lately there's been more good days than bad days. Okay. That's very hallmark. I like it. But (laughs) what would you say if you didn't have a perfect answer? Well, if I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when unfiltered, it would you know depend on on how you're you're doing that day. But um, you know, if it was a good day, then I would I would say just having a great day. You know, I'm just trying to stay out of the way. <laughs> you know, if it was a, a bad day, um, you know, probably would depend on on Who what triggered you yeah. um, to to have that bad bad moment or or bad spiral session. Um, but yeah, even even talking about this, I don't, I don't know if I could bring myself to be fully transparent 
behind the curtain of like how that is. Well, I would I would respect that because I don't want you going to like a coworker and being like my wife's about to jump. Like, no, that's not I don't really want that for us and our family. That's just way too invasive. Not everyone is privy to that sort of information. That's us. That's private. Not everyone deserves to know the nitty gritty details. But I think if somebody that was close to us who was not understanding why I haven't really talked a lot lately, I'm not really been able to be reached. I think then you could probably say, hey, she's kind of having a rough week. This is why she's behaving this way. I think that would be more helpful than putting a blanket over it. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, learn, learning a lot. I definitely can see where that's the better response that needs to be utilized. I mean, trying to think of like specific examples and I'm just thinking of like events that we've been to or outings where you know you had to remove yourself or didn't want to go or things of that nature and I'm trying to think of like what I said in those moments that wasn't transparent and what I could have said to be more transparent mm. um and whether it would have made a difference either with those that I was with and speaking to or whether it would have made a difference to you I don't know if this is a specific example. The only parallel I can kind of think of is like at a wedding. If we were at a wedding and like you wanted to leave uh, or, you know, went to the bathroom or excuse yourself for an extended period of time and, uh, you know, people ask what you were doing and where you went and, you know, it's, oh, you're not feeling well or something like that instead of like, ah, they just did a, you know, mother-son dance and she wants to leave. <laughs> like, I don't know if I would like, verbalize like she doesn't want to be here my fear is that i came across as a big old bitch because people didn't really know the motive for why i was behaving the way that i was behaving that's my fear and i feel like i have to clean up now a lot of the things that happened this year because i was unable to explain it and people weren't smart enough to investigate why so as you can see why it was so important to me that you kind of were my eyes and ears and voice when I couldn't be. I'm not blaming you. People are assuming I'm a big old bitch. But I just, <clears throat> you can see now why it was important and is important for me that you do vocalize the truth when it matters. Right? Yeah, I remember that. Those father, those, those mother and son dances would kill me. Oh, my God. <clears throat> As you can imagine, I mean, there's just certain things now that just not okay. You're just, wow. Like, I can't even go to, like, James's, my nephew's games. It's terrible. It's like I'll never yell Brody onto the field. Like, that's just, that's a realization that still will always sting, I think. And I've talked to women who are 15 years out, and they will admit it. They still have moments of sting. <laughs> it's just going to happen. And I think everybody around us, if they want to be in our lives, are just going to have to realize, oh, that's right, her baby died, and that's probably why she's sad. You know? And there's also really sucky weddings that I just want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> well, now I do. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is not supposed to be marriage counseling. What other questions do you have for me? Oh, goodness. Put, put, put me on the hot seat. Now. What are you ready to talk about? Anything. I'm pretty sure I put you on the hot seat. That was, I'm sweating. I'm quite comfortable. Oh my. Um, do you still want to have kids with me? <laughs> Answer faster, Lazar. Of course. Never a doubt. If anything, making it through the past year together, um, I do feel like, you know, in in reviewing the year myself and setting goals, you know, rather than review my 2022 New Year's goals from a year ago, um, I told all my friends and I, I meet with my high school friends on December 31st every year and we go over our goals from the previous year and set goals together for the upcoming year. And this has been a tradition we've been doing for, I don't know, a decade now. Um, and when we did it this year, rather than look back on my 2022 goals, because again, it was pretty much a wash of a year in the sense of 
January 18th hit, all my plans and goals were out the window for the most part. So I went back and I wrote down everything I was grateful for for the year. And I went through a, a bunch of different things. And the thing I'm probably the most grateful for, or at least one of the most grateful things I am, um, you, you know, as, as I look back on the year, is, is for our relationship. Because, you know, we made it through hell. Uh, and I do think that our relationship is a lot stronger than it was. The fact that we have spent so much time together, still want to be together, want to have more kids together. Mm-hmm. In talking with you, it doesn't seem like that's always a common occurrence when uh, other people go through stuff like this. So I'm very thankful for you. I'm grateful for uh, everything that we went to to, you know, become closer because because really we truly did and um yeah i am excited about getting into the new year with you and um you know continuing to tackle life together did you just wrap up this episode (laughs) no we have plenty more to talk about (laughs) well i appreciate that i'm just kidding i appreciate that um i think it's really important to acknowledge that we still have some work to do but we've come so far in that and i think it's been a testament to how much we've communicated and told each other, hey, it'd be really great if you could do this. Well, that's basically me doing that. <laughs> Can you do this? Can you put the knives down in the dishwasher so I don't murts myself? Thank you so much. Um, it is sad to say that some some couples don't make it. But I will say that I think we have another challenge ahead of us. I think clinging together and getting through the year from hell was really important and it strengthened us for sure. But now that we're moving out of that and don't have that common ground of devastation, what does our relationship look like? What does that mean as we try to conceive and as we try to carry another baby and as we try to have a living child and as we try to pick up the pieces of last year and get both of our businesses or my business back in order, you know? So it's... What is this year going to look like for us? I mean, you have to remember, I was extremely codependent. We didn't spend a night apart for probably, was it like 10 months or something? Mm -hmm. 10 months. And you ripped the bandaid off and you left for a bachelor party and was like, bye. And I was like, okay. And then after I was by myself for two nights, I was like, okay, I can do this alone. And then you went away this couple weeks ago to on a trip for five nights or four nights and I was like, okay, I can do this alone. So now my my de- my independence is coming back. You're no longer my crutch. You're no longer like my shield. It's like I'm gonna do this all myself. So what does that look like? And I never wanted to be that person that's like, I can handle my grief and I'm the only one that can. But it feels like that now moving forward, because as I leave 2022 behind, I leave the devastation. I leave that version of myself, the one after Brody, but now the one after the year that he died in. Who is that? And what does that look like? And what does that mean for us? How much what do I need from you? Because I have to be very careful. I could do this alone and I'd probably be fine. But that's not healthy. That's not what I want. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want you to do it alone. I mean, it's pretty crushing when. You have had moments that you have been like, I'm in this alone. <laughs> the drama. I mean, shoot, that, 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 I mean, it's not grief per se, but definitely that's pretty devastating and hurts. Um, yeah. Harder than a lot of other moments of the past year. Oh, hurts so. you? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'll be careful. Yeah, knife to the heart. Oh, damn. Well, I didn't realize that. I think I I think and part of me thinks I'm letting you off the hook. I'm like no longer this like leech that's like give me your strength. It's like maybe it's better for me to learn how to cope alone. I mean, and then maybe that's not a bad word. I no, mean, it's a bad I, word. I agree with you there. I, I think being able to spend time apart, I think is is good. I think it's healthy. I think it strengthens our relationship. I think being independent from that aspect uh you know being able to to do a day by yourself or handle a challenge by yourself i think is important i I look at it more like when one of those trigger situations occurs and it leads you to a point of saying 
I'm in this by myself. If like, I don't see the situation, the same viewpoint that you have, that hurts. Well, I think what I'm referring to is those extreme ones, like Christmas Day. Uh, You know what I mean? So that was a horrific spectacle of how I was like, that's when I truly felt like, okay, shit. And what I meant by that was I'm responsible for my own grief and I'm responsible for how I deal with my own grief and how I cope with it and how I react to others when they don't acknowledge it. That's mainly what I'm saying. And what I mean by I think it'd be pretty gross if you wanted to be like the like if you if you wanted me still codependent, I think that'd be kind of gross. I think we'd be have to calling like some therapists or the police. I think that if you wanted me to stay in a deep, dark place and always need you, that's not a good sign. I personally think that's not that's creepy and and, and toxic. So you saying, okay, it's good for you to become dependent independent again. I think that's great. What I learned is, when you were gone is when I would have a grief spiral, an inconsolable, hyperventilating, oh, my God, I'm spiraling into something this really hurts, learning how to get myself out, whether it's turning on friends, taking the dog out, looking at reading some emails, looking at some work, messaging a lost mom friend, like being like physically having to get up from what I was doing and change my brain, what I was doing, my focus. Learning to do that instead of you being like, all right, let me go do something. Let me get you some food. Let me get you off the couch. Let me get let me put on something on the TV. I had to physically do it myself. And that to me was super empowering because now I know that I can handle it when it comes and I'm still dealing with it like a year out. But I'll always need you. I'm never like not going to need to have I mean it's lonely like especially you're the only one who gets it pretty much because you're Brody's dad and we're on this journey together so it's not that I feel like I'm alone in this I think I'm what I mean by that is I'm alone in how I'm going to cope with my grief I have to be the only one because when people don't recognize our grief and we expect that they're going to and then they don't it's like a train crash you are hit so hard with oh my god they don't care they didn't even think about it and now I have to deal with this myself because they still are completely oblivious to why what they did hurt so bad. That's just what I'm talking about is just dealing with it, owning it, coping, and like figuring out how I'm going to do that. Well, again, I'm proud of you. Thanks. I, you know, I don't think you even would have thought you'd be at this point at the one year mark uh, for you to be able to clearly and concisely assess your own behavior like that um don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing but what um, assessing my own behavior (laughs) yeah but it's uh i paid a lot of money to learn how to do that (laughs) i think it's at least good that you're able to recognize um you know your triggers and if you need to pull yourself out then and you can yeah i that's the thing like because we just got done talking about how they come out of nowhere they literally do. I have no idea what's going to happen next. Are you ready to talk about TTC? Do you want to even address trying to conceive on this? We have oh my gosh. 15 minutes. You know, I just went through TTC. Trying to conceive would not have been on my top 100 So you don't guesses. follow me that closely. <laughs> in, this, in this space, this is a known abbreviation. What about PAL? Do you know what that stands for? pregnancy after loss (gasps) there you go very good yeah so what's uh what's next on our journey trying to have a living baby a sibling see this is where it's different remember i used to say i'm a mother without a baby i just want a living baby that was such the wrong mentality i have a baby he's in heaven We're looking for a sibling for him. We're expanding our family. We're not just replacing with a living baby. We're expanding. So that mentality has been the goal, just giving Brody siblings, which I think with a living baby, it'll be easier to carry on Brody's name. Don't you think? And and in recognizing him. I think it will feel a little bit more natural if that makes it absolutely easier yeah. 
you know, I don't know if it will be as prominent um, just because in talking with other people, it just seems like we'll be very distracted. So we're going to have to be very intentional, mm-hmm. even more so over this last year. But I do think it'll be more natural, which ultimately makes it easier. Yeah. Natural for us. Yeah. Because in pictures, we'll have the living baby and then we'll have something to represent Brody. Right now, me being like, take us a picture in front of the tree and holding a bear is just very unnatural. Oh, this whole thing's unnatural. But... I get exactly what you're saying. And I think that's, like, I was talking to Jenica about this yesterday. (laughs) Like, our kids are going to be those creepy kids that tell their friends, come look at my brother's urn. (laughs) Come see his room. There's a picture of him. He's dead. And then parents are going to be like, the Lazars are weird. We're like the Adams family. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. I love it. They were the weird kids. I love it. Yeah, there will be a lot of confusion for the kids growing up, you know, in school, saying how many siblings they have and it not adding up for those that don't know the full backstory. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. eh, Like you said, it's fun. Hopefully I still have this podcast. Part of the journey. Yeah. From our seat to this insanity. It doesn't end now. We're trying to have a living baby. Then we have to parent that living baby with a dead one. And then we have to watch the milestones go on as that baby grows up. And apparently there's going to be more and more and more things like first steps. Birdie never had him. First word. Birdie never had him. Things like that. And, you know, in pictures, it looks like we have whether it's two, three kids, we should have four, you know, whatever it is. I think it's just us realizing that we're here for the ride and that we have gotten through the worst of it. And now it's just maneuvering what happens next. And I think that agreeing to do that together is half the battle. I'm okay. Any last words? Give me a topic or a final question besides uh, last words. Let's say a lost dad came to you and was like, help me. What's the number one thing you would tell him to do? Let's talk. So you'd want to sit down and chat with this person? Yeah, just chat it out because I know... Uh, look, I've I probably revealed and we've talked more today about anything that just in the normal course of a day we would ever disclose to each other. And I, I know I've talked to other dads that I think would feel the same way. Like there's certain things that like I probably would just never bring up to you proactively. But if I was talking to another dad that probably is going to do the same thing, yeah, floodgates open, no issue at all. So someone needed my help. Let's talk. Because there's probably a lot to talk about. Amen. All right, that's going to be your quote for this episode. Really? You're writing that one down? <laughs> Unless you want to give me another one. Happy birthday, Brody. No, it is his birthday. We're sitting here because of him. All right, again, yeah, message Michael. I'll tag you, Michael, in the on the um, in the description of this. And also, if anybody has any questions for me, feel free to reach out to me about it. I'll probably get this up on YouTube, even though there's no video, so y'all can listen to my commentary afterwards. So, all right, thanks for doing this again, babe. Love you. I love you too. That's all for this episode of the At a Total Loss podcast. If you'd like to help other lost moms benefit from our stories, please share, rate, and comment wherever you are listening. Thank you for being the strong mama that you are. And remember, when things have you at a total loss, we're here to help you find the light in the darkness. Take care, lost moms.